All right, good morning, Three Circle. All of our campuses joining us right now and those online, we are going to go to week two of our hymns series. We're doing the hymn series not to learn about hymns primarily, but to allow these songs of our faith to be springboards that take us into biblical truth. And the songs that we have chosen, these hymns, do just that. They are based on, they are inspired by biblical truth. And I'm just going to look at these uh, throughout this series. Uh, not only that, though, it is also a way for us to connect to our past in a way. It's really good for modern churches like ours to remember we're not the first kids on the block. Like there's a 2,000-year rich, biblical, rich, historical history to the church. And it's really good for us to remember that, to tap into that. And th this is a way for us to do that during this series. So uh, what you guys just heard and sang, many of you with them, is my favorite hymn. My favorite hymn is Be Thou My Vision. How many of you here today at All the Campuses, how many of you, it's one of your favorites? I just want to know where my folks are. I know that, yeah, we got a few, like four or five. It's a tough, tough crowd, but got some people that like it. Uh, it's my favorite, and as I research and learn more about it, I think the theology is so rich. We're going to tie into that in just a moment. But the story behind Be Thou My Vision, if you like history, is fascinating. And it goes all the way back to the 400s to a guy by the name of St. Patrick. Let's talk about St. Patrick for a minute. This is an actual photo of him that was taken in the 400s. I'm just kidding. They didn't have cameras then. I'm just joking. Uh, but anyway, St. Patrick. The, the 400s. Now, we know a lot about him. We celebrate him by wearing green and doing some other stuff. And there's all kinds of things that happen in St. Patty's Day and all that. But what's the real story of this guy? Well, St. Patrick is, has kind of been dubbed as the first Christian missionary to Ireland. Now, how did that happen? Well, he didn't grow up in Ireland. He grew up in England. But at 16 years old, Patrick was uh, captured by Irish pirates. Imagine that. Now, just take an R and do that with Ireland. I don't know. My mind just goes there. It's interesting. Uh, patch on the eye, the whole deal. Anyway, so uh, they, they, they take him, 16 years old, take him back to Ireland, and he is put into slavery. He's put into forced labor. And for six years, the story goes, he was a slave in Ireland. And he escaped captivity at some point and got his way back to England, back to his family. He became a Christian during this time, became a believer in Jesus, and felt like God was leading him to do ministry, to go into ministry of some sort. And then he began to feel that, hey, I'm supposed to be a missionary. I'm supposed to take the truth of Jesus somewhere else. And I'll give you one guess where God told him to go. Isn't that how God works? He said, you're going to go to Ireland. And he went to Ireland. Now, think about that. Now, what a story for our modern day. Where we like to take, we like to allow if something bad, and something bad happens to all of us at some point, but often people will say, well, this bad thing happened to me, and, and I'm going to allow that now to define me. I'm going to be defined by this bad thing that happened. It's going to drive my life forever. It's going to make me bitter, make me angry. It's going to trigger me the rest of my life. Well, I mean, you can't get much worse than being put in slavery for six years. But St. Patrick's like, instead of letting my rough past and my bad experiences define me, now Jesus defines me. The love of Christ defines me. And I'm going to go back to the very place that harmed me, that put me through all that. And I'm going to bring the light with me. What a story. So he goes back to Ireland. And when he gets there, he begins doing the work of ministry and trying to lead people to Jesus and doing all that good work that he was doing and helping people and ministering to the poor and doing all those things. Well, in Ireland at that time, the 400s, Ireland was a medieval type place and uh, Druid worship was a huge deal, pagan worship. 
and they had these things called high kings. So Ireland was led by high kings. You recognize that language? Because Be Thou My Vision is an Irish hymn. So, high king of heaven. You say, you're saying that just a minute ago, right? Well, that's what we're talking about. There was these high kings, and the high king in the area where St. Patrick was was High King Loger. And High King Loger decided that to prepare for a Druid festival, which was pagan worship that was coming up, he forbade everyone. So he, he, he forbids the entire area from lighting a single candle. No light. Because back then they didn't have electricity, so no generators or any of that. You lit candles at night. So he basically says, to prepare for this holiday of pagan worship, there will be no light under my rule. And so St. Patrick, who had tried to work with the government the best he could, decides this is a step too far. So he decides that he's going to light not a candle, but a fire. Because if you're going to go, you might as well go down in a blaze of glory, right? So he goes to the biggest hill in town. It's called Slane Hill, S-L-A-N-E. And St. Patrick goes... And he builds not a candle, but a fire, a bonfire, a massive. Takes all day long to build up the fuel for this thing. And when darkness came that night, and imagine there's no light. There's no lanterns. There's no lamps. No one has candles. It's as dark as dark can be. And he lights this thing up. So, of course, everyone sees it, including King Loguerre, right? And this massive bonfire is burning. And there he is, St. Patrick, going, this is what, this is a symbol of me coming here. I came to bring light. And there, we don't walk in darkness and basically he's saying this druid this pagan holiday that wants you to stay in darkness that's a false god the real god the true god brings light to the darkness now he risked his life to do this he risked everything to do this but king Logaire, the story goes high king Logaire was so impressed with the boldness and the courage of saint patrick that not only did he not punish him for it but he gave him free reign to do whatever he wanted to do ministry-wise he basically said, you crazy enough to do this? Well, just do your thing, man. Leave that guy alone. And King Logaire opened the door for more ministry. What a great story, right? But how in the world does that tie into the hymn, Be Thou My Vision? Well, Be Thou My Vision is an Irish hymn through and through, from language to melody. Here's what happened. Of course, that story became famous, kind of like George Washington crossing the Delaware. You know, it became a big, big deal. So people talked about it for a long time, and down the road, a musician decided that to honor St. Patrick, he would write a melody. And he wrote a Celtic-Irish melody, and he named it Slain, after the hill that he put the bonfire on. It was called Slain. And that melody was beautiful and Celtic and Irish, and there it was. But there were no lyrics. Well, it wasn't too long after that that this other person decided that they too would commemorate St. Patrick. And this person wrote a poem. And that poem was in the Gaelic language. And I can't pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. Just trust me, it was there, okay? And so you can look it up, it's all there. And they wrote these lyrics in that language to commemorate St. Patrick. And then as time went on, that melody got put in some archive somewhere in some dusty place, and it disappeared and that poem ended up in another spot, and it got buried, and it disappeared. And it just sat there. It sat there. The story of St. Patrick continued to build steam. But these two commemorations sat there until the early 1900s. Two things converged. A researcher 
who was translating old documents from those original languages to modern language comes across the poem. And they translate it. The line went like this. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And then this other person comes across that old melody. And they revive it. And then they take those lyrics and they take that melody and they put it together. And we have the Celtic Irish hymn with this beautiful, rich theological language. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. And that, my friends, is the story of St. Patrick and be thou my vision. Isn't that cool? That's cool, right? Even if you're not a nerd, that's cool, okay? I love history, so I I couldn't believe all of this beautiful imagery. But now, how does this tie into the Bible? Because a song that rich in theology and a man that bold has to have something behind it, right? And of course, of course, it's all pointing to the scriptures, It's all pointing there, the song, it's clear where it's coming from. And it comes from a statement Jesus made, and it comes from a claim Jesus made. He claimed this. He claimed that Jesus is the light of the world. That's what he claimed. This is one of a series of claims he made, and he began these claims with a famous statement, I am. John is the gospel writer that records all of them. He noticed it. He picked it up. He realized that when Jesus would do this, it would reverberate across the town, across the people. He saw the reaction, and he knew what Jesus was doing, so he wrote them all down, and they're known as the I am statements. Jesus said once, I am the bread of life. Another time he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And on this day... John 8, 12, he's going to claim to be the light. Jesus, the Bible says, again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, be thou my vision is not talking about physical vision. It's talking about spiritual vision. And you'll see the imagery in the hymn of light. You'll see the high king not being the Irish king, but the high king of heaven. You'll see that the presence of Jesus in the hymn is the light. That's exactly what Jesus says. Again, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is making stunning claims here. And if these claims aren't true, he is a heretic. If these claims aren't true, according to Jewish law, he's worthy of death to say what he is saying. Let me tell you why. Love for you to get your pen out if you would and just kind of circle some stuff at all of our campuses and online. I want you to circle that phrase, I am, in those verses. Now, in our English language, it doesn't hit us because it's been translated in a way that is certainly accurate for our language, but we miss what he's really saying. The original audience got it. We know by their reactions to him when he would say it. Where does this phrase, I am, come from? Well, take a trip with me back in time to a wilderness, to a desert where a man named Moses is meeting face-to-face the living Jehovah God. And God says to him, you're going to go to Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to let my people go. And Moses says, well, I need a name. Who do I tell Pharaoh? You are. What is your name? And God says, you tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. I am. In the Hebrew, that phrase is ego, ame. Now, that phrase was so holy to the Jewish people, rightfully so, they would not say it. They would not fully write it. They would leave letters out. 
They abbreviated it so that they would not be caught writing the holy name of God. That's the kind of reverence they had for this name, rightfully so. And then fast forward and Jesus, this human being in the flesh, stands in front of them and not once but like seven different times says this. And here's one of those days where he literally looks at them and says, Ego ame. And they're going, did I just hear what I thought I heard? Like, whoa, that would have been earth-shaking for a human to claim what he's claiming. The first thing you need to know in that scripture is Jesus is claiming to be God. He's saying, I am. I am is ego ame. That's what he said. He is invoking the very name of God for himself. That's not something you mess around with. So the first claim is, I am God, which is why St. Patrick and why that song commemorates the fact that no Irish king was the true boss. No, only the high king of heaven ultimately is worthy to be followed. But not only that, Jesus says, I am God and also the light of the world. This is Jesus claiming to be savior. So he's not just claiming to be God. He's also saying, I'm the light of the world. He's claiming to be our savior, and that is extremely offensive. That first phrase is heretical if it's not true. This next phrase is just offensive and arrogant and prideful and loaded with hubris if it's not true. But it is true. Jesus is claiming to be the savior of the world, the light of the world. Now just imagine how prideful that would be if it wasn't Jesus saying it. Well, you try it. Tomorrow go to work and go, hey, Don't worry, guys, I'm here. It was not going to be a good day, but now I'm here. It's going to be good now. I'm going to light this place up, right? Aren't you already happy that I'm here? You know, everyone's just going to roll their eyes. Or try it at home. You know, dads, go home tomorrow, walk through your door and go, hey, everything's going to be all right now because daddy's home. Your wife's going to be like, whatever. Not your I have a 12-year-old daughter, and that's what she says, whatever. It's her new thing to me, whatever, dad, right? Now, no one's going to like you claiming that because that is an audacious claim. I'm the light of the world. Yet Jesus says it. Jesus in two sentences there goes, I'm God, and I'm your Savior, which is offensive, and it always has been. It is the offense of the cross. The offensiveness of the cross is not its grotesqueness. It's what it says to us because the cross of Jesus and him hanging there, writhing there in pain and agony for hour on top of hour, what it says is we are lost and we need him. And humans don't like to be needy. Ooh, no. We don't want anyone telling us what to do. Stay out of my business, right? So the... The pride of humanity rises up when we hear the gospel. The gospel is offensive. That's why the Bible says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. But for those who do not, it is a stumbling block. It is condemning. Why? It is offensive for someone to say that we're so bad off that we need a savior. But that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, without me, you will walk in darkness And folks, we need a savior because every human being is born in darkness. You have physical light, 
because you were physically born. But Jesus looked at Nicodemus, the famous Pharisee on a rooftop, and he said, you got to be born twice. You're born physically, you got a physical body, and you've got physical light, and that happens for all humans, but you have to be born again. You have to get spiritual life, and with spiritual life, watch this, comes spiritual light, vision. I see now what I didn't see before. Jesus says he is the Savior. And then finally, he's claiming authority here. He says he's God, he's the light of the world, and that we should follow him. That means following means he becomes the authority. That means he's the judge and king. He's judge and he's king. There's not a higher king than Jesus. Jesus is the king. It's offensive unless you believe that he's the king, he's the authority, he's the ruler, not our feelings, not our vision for our own lives. That's the point of the song is to transfer my vision for my own life to God's vision for me because now Jesus is my king, he's the judge, and the Bible is clear that he will judge. Now here's the good news of the gospel. The gospel's offensive in one way. It says we're so bad off we needed someone to die for us. But the beauty and goodness of the gospel is and you're so beloved and you're so cherished that he did come and die for you. And here's what happens when it comes to Jesus as our authority and our judge. If you believe upon Jesus, you have moved your judgment day from the future to the past. It means that If you're a Christian, your judgment day happened on a cross. And your sin and your shame and your mistakes and your downfall and all that stuff is still sitting at the cross. Jesus nailed it there. And upon your belief in him, your faith, all of him got transferred to you. And you moved your judgment day from a future situation to something that's already done. And you now walk in the light and in freedom. And the only thing ahead of you is glory and God in his presence. That's the glory of the gospel. But... Without Jesus, your judgment day is still in the future. And the Jesus who offers to save you will judge. He will judge. And the Bible is clear that he is king. And that every person who has ever lived will acknowledge that. That every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Folks, Hitler will hit his knees and say, he is king. Stalin will hit his knees and say, he is king. Every king, every ruler, every dictator, every despot that has ever lived and ever ruined people's lives and ever ran kingdoms into the ground will bow their knees and speak with their voices that Jesus Christ is king and Lord. They will do that. That is who he is. That day is coming. But I hope that every one of us and every one of us listening and online, that that's not a future proclamation we will make. It is a present reality in our lives. We are saying now, today, every day, he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And we joyfully say it and we live it out. He's our good king. That's what Christianity is all about. Now, the Bible connects this idea of the light of Jesus with our salvation. King David said it in Psalm 27.1. He said, the Lord is, watch this, my light and my salvation. And in my notes, what I did is I took an arrow and I took it from the word light and I pointed it over to the word salvation. Because that's the Bible connecting for you these two ideas. Spiritual light only comes if you have salvation from Jesus. 
King David said, because the Lord is my light and my salvation, something happens. Watch this. Whom shall I fear? This is why St. Patrick can climb up on Slain Hill and build a bonfire in defiance to a king who can take his life. Because years before that, St. Patrick had given his life to God. So why should he be afraid? And why should you be afraid? Why are we afraid? What are we afraid of? How could we be afraid of anything if the Lord is our light and our salvation? Whom shall I fear? What kind of freedom and joy is in that? Right? That's good news, man. We don't have to live afraid and scared and worried. I don't know what's going to happen with the economy. I don't know what's going to happen with politics. I don't know who's going to run for president. I don't know what's going to happen with this. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't either. But I do know this. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's my light. And if you believe in him, he's your light. You don't have to be afraid. You can be concerned. Don't be consumed. We don't have to be afraid. That's, that's what it's saying. Now, Jesus goes on, though, and he says, I'm the light of the world. Watch this. Whoever follows me. Okay, this is interesting because he's going to give you some road signs for you to know if you're going the right direction. You ever been going down a road and thought, I'm not sure if this is the right road. I'd like to see a sign, right? Am I going the right way? Well, he gives you a road sign here. Here it is. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life. What this means is authentic Christianity is not just an emotional experience, and it's also not just a mental ascent. So it's not you feeling God alone, and it's not just you agreeing with God. It is a life transformation. We call it regeneration, and it is a change of direction. That's the result of repentance. Repentance is not, I'm sorry. Repentance is, I am turning a new direction. Now, notice I said direction and not perfection. Because what Jesus is not trying to do is get you to think that you will perfectly walk this road. Because how many of you have dark moments? Like, you don't walk in darkness. That's not your pattern, but you do have dark moments. Anybody? Some of you are having a dark moment right now. You're lying. (laughs) See how that works? No, we, listen, what he's talking about when he says walk is he's talking direction. He's saying, people who have me Walk a new direction. What this means is the pattern of your life is now a new pattern. You will have moments of darkness because you still fight the flesh. But you have a new direction. And you have a new purpose because there's light. You go a different direction. Peter points this out to us. And Peter, if anyone, shows us that you can walk with Jesus and still step in a dark moment. He he denied Jesus three times. Knowing Jesus. How many of you are thankful that story's in the Bible? Because I'm like, thank goodness there's a human. There. I needed that. So Peter said this as a mature believer, older. He said to us Christians, you're a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And and he does this so that you may proclaim, kind of like setting a bonfire on a hill, proclaim loudly the excellencies of him who called, what? Who called you out of darkness... Into his marvelous light. How many of you know the life of Jesus is marvelous, right? So what happens in Christianity, authentic Christianity, is the perfect one gives me credit for his perfect life, the great trade there. And then I begin to live very imperfectly. But by his grace, more and more, 
the dark moments become further apart. But if you look at the pattern of my life, any true, any true Christian, you will say, that person's going a different direction. Yeah, they mess up sometimes, but you can see they're, they're going a different direction. It's real clear. Like it's a different way. There's a new pattern to their life. Does that make sense, church? It's a road sign. Now, now here's the flip side. He says, you don't walk in darkness, which means if the pattern of your life is a pattern of darkness, then you're not a Christian. That's what it means. You can go to church and not be a Christian. You can give offerings and not be a Christian. You can be a volunteer and not be a, a Christian. The evidence of Christianity is a new way of living your life. What does walking dark in darkness look like? We could do this all day, but I'll give you a few. Number one, walking in darkness means you're still your own boss. You've not traded the crown. You've not given it to him. The crown of authority in your life. You're still the boss. You go to church, you read a little devotional, and maybe you'll you know, give a little jingle to the man upstairs, all those southern phrases we have. But the pattern of your life is still that you're the boss. Walking in darkness means sin is your pattern. The flesh still rules you. It's not that you have mistakes or have dark moments. You have a dark pattern. The overwhelming movement of your life is clearly not towards Christ. If that is true of your life and you think you're a Christian, hear me, you're a fool. You're a fool. You've believed a lie. Jesus says that there will be many who will stand before him and say, look what I did in your name. And he will say, I never knew you. Because they, they acted like they were in the light. But they kept a pattern of darkness. And I just love you enough to say that. I love you enough to tell you the truth that don't fool yourself into thinking that you're really in Christ if the entire pattern of your life is going away from him. Not only that, but the Christian life is just not a priority. It's just not. That, that's walking in darkness. It, it, it's just a byproduct. It's a social thing. You can be in a small group at our church for the social side. It's fun. My small group's awesome. We have appetizers. There's a guy in my group that makes mac and cheese. He claims it costs 60 bucks every time he makes it because of the amount of cheese he puts in it. It's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure that every spoonful of it is like 500 calories. I'm convinced. It is delicious on a scale of delicious that the human language cannot quite grab. I love my small group, but I'm telling you right now, you can go to a small group for the social side of it if you're not careful and not give your life to Jesus. So don't look at all those other things. Look, let me ask you, is there a pattern of light in your life. John said this about Jesus in his first words about him. He said, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He says, the light of Jesus that he unleashed, the darkness could not overcome it. And I love that he wrote this 
in a time where the Roman Empire was the boss. No one had ever in the world seen anything like the Roman Empire. Like they ruled the whole world, it seemed, and it was ironclad. Like you didn't mess with the Roman Empire. And here John is saying that this carpenter from Nazareth comes along and this light is never going to, the darkness can't overcome it. And when he wrote those words, Nero was like throwing Christians in the Colosseum and burning them and the lions are eating them. It was bad. And you're writing this? But you got to look at the long view of history. And today, you can get on a plane. You can fly over to Rome. And you will get a look at the ruins of the Roman Empire. And you go into the Colosseum that it itself has fallen apart, where those Christians, many of them died. And you'll see a massive cross hanging there. A reminder that the Roman Empire crumbled, but the kingdom of God just kept building steam. And what Jesus unleashed, the darkness cannot overcome, will not overcome. Jesus is king. And this hymn that we're looking at today helps us remember that. Now, I love this. Jesus says, if you follow him, watch this, you will not just follow the light of life. What does he say? You will have the light of life. This means following Jesus means I get him as savior, forgiveness. It means I get him as king, authority. But watch this. I get his presence. I get the presence of Christ. It's so good. It's so loving what Jesus does for us. Look, I grew up as a huge Michael Jordan fan. Huge, huge Michael Jordan fan. I had the jerseys and Bulls fan, and, and I had my shoes, the whole deal. And I followed his career. I can tell you all the statistics. I can make the argument easily that he's the greatest basketball player ever, easily. It's, it's just so easy. Anyway, just, y'all meet me sometime. We'll talk about it. I was a huge MJ fan. In fact, if you ever see me play basketball, the similarities are uncanny, the way I've adopted his game. Here's the deal. I followed MJ and his career, but I have zero relationship with Michael Jordan. I followed him. I tried to emulate him. I tried. But when I stopped growing at five foot 11 and a half, the dunking thing just didn't happen. I can touch the rim back then. Never dunked. But here's one thing, as well as I knew his career and his moves, and as much as I enjoyed watching him play, I never knew him. He's never called me. Birthdays come and go, 45 of them now, and I've never gotten that call from MJ. I've never gotten happy birthday from Jordan because I don't have Jordan. We don't have any relationship. I just followed him. But I love that Jesus says, unlike any other king that's ever lived, other kings say, follow me or else do the." But Jesus says, yes, follow me, but you will have me. You and me and me and you. You will have me. I will be your greatest friend. I will be your Lord. I'll be your Savior. I will care for you. We will have a relationship. That's what Jesus promises. See, the gift of the gospel is Jesus. You get Jesus if you follow Jesus. You get his presence. That's why the hymn, I love that part of the hymn where it says, his presence my light. What a beautiful phrase. And then he gives us a challenge at the end, which we'll close on today. It's real simple. He says, and if you follow me in Matthew, he says, I'm the light of the world. And if you follow me, watch this, you are the light of the world. Hmm. And this sounds very reminiscent. And I got to believe that St. Patrick may have read this in his devotional the morning he lit up the bonfire. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand, 
And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, when I see a phrase like in the same way, I look backwards. I go, oh, my Christian life should look like that. It should look like a city on a hill. I shouldn't be hiding it. It should give light to others. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Notice not just hear your good works. See your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, Jesus shines his light through those who follow him. Be thou my vision. And I want to give you that last image one more time of the fire burning, the bonfire. This is an actual picture that was taken of the bonfire that uh, St. Patrick lit. I'm just kidding. They didn't have cameras back then, guys, in the 400s. But I want you to see what that city saw. And I want you to ask yourself this question today. As we leave church, we go do our thing. Can anyone see your light? Is it bright enough? Can anyone see your good works? Are your good works magnetic enough? Can they feel the heat and the light off of the difference of your life? Does your life, the way you talk to people and live, that's what he says, good works. Does it pull people towards the light of Jesus? That is our mission. And I pray that it will be so for you. And, and don't forget this week, you don't just follow Jesus. You have Jesus. You have it. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for your word, your goodness and your grace, this beautiful hymn that we have. Thank you that you truly are our light. Help us to be the lights that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.